All right, so bonus round. Let's talk about playtesting. This is something you have, have written about extensively in lots of different uh, ways and approaches and the different things that you do. And so let's dive in just for, you know, five, six, seven minutes about your best playtesting advice. What would you tell someone who's right in the middle of a game design, they're trying to figure out this whole playtesting thing, what it looks like, what would you tell that person? Biggest thing is um, before you start finding playtesters who can be difficult to find, um, solve as much as you can on your own, then find one close friend, solve as much as you can with them, find a small group of testers, work with them, and then start finding playtesters out in the wild. You want to gradually refine your game long before you start using a lot of um, random playtesters' time. The reason is, one, it's kind of tough to find good playtesters, and two, People, when they play your game one time, they can get hung up on old problems very easily. So you want the simple stuff done and fixed and out of the way before you start bringing them in. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one thing I've, I've learned, I don't have access to very many people here in Honduras, uh, just in general. I mean, most people here speak Spanish, and I'm not making Spanish games. And so I have to be very aware that I don't want to put a game in front of a group of people and it really suck, and them not ever want to play my games again because they remember how terrible that last time was. And so getting everything as, as close to good as I can on my own or me and my wife mm -hmm. or me and just a friend, and that way when I do set it down in front of you know three, four other people, that it's at least somewhat enjoyable to the point where they, they would want to play again because you don't want to burn them out. And so I found that to be uh, really good advice right there. Now talk to me about, you have this idea, that, this approach you do, the 100 play test theory, or I don't know, I can't remember what you, you call it exactly, but tell me more about your, your theory as far as a game needing 100 play tests before it's, it's ready. Okay, I'll call it the Wicked Hundred. That's what I've called it for my for my games. Um, the idea of the Wicked Hundred is basically once your game is done, it's blind play tested. Designers have looked at it, lots of people have looked at, it, and you're like, this is it. This is going to be the one. Test it a hundred more times beyond that just to gather statistical information to see if something breaks you need a large sample size of games just to make sure that there is no big strategy that you couldn't have anticipated that could break it down the road this is well after playtesting the uh, blind playtesting and all that yeah that's a great point that's something actually jr honeycutt brought up on the show i don't know a year ago or something. He, he talked about how when a game is published and when it it's on you know shelves and in stores, it's going to be it's going to be played more times the day or the week it comes out than it was ever played during playtesting and development. Mm -hmm. it, that's the nature of it. If, assuming your game has sold to any number of people, right? So if you right. have a, a pretty big you know if you have a good selling, but it's going to be played and those people are going to find problems and they're going to find issues mm -hmm. with your rule book and they're going to find issues with your balance or whatever. And so just doing everything you can to mitigate that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that whole, the wicked hundred is a, it's a good way to do it. And now mm -hmm. remind me, am this I, is, go ahead. This is my cutesy way of introducing people to the statistics concept of just having a big enough sample size to actually make informed decisions. Yeah. Now, am I remembering this right? That if you, if you, uh, let's say you get to the 40 second play test and you're like, oh, shoot, I have to change this, then you change it. And now it's 100 more play tests from that change? In general, if I make a major change, I will reset that clock. I haven't had to do that on highways and byways because I got most of that, or I got all of that all the way out of the way and I just had to tweak a couple of vehicle cards, something like that. Gotcha. So if it's a major deal, you're resetting the clock. But if it's some minor tweaks here and there, you're just going to keep going. Oh, yeah. Like gotcha. um, 
using byways as, as an example, if I change the layout of the map, that's a reset right there. If I changed more than one or two event cards, um, that's a that's a complete reset of the hundred right there. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Now, any other playtesting advice? You you need blind playtesting, but I feel like a lot of people think they need a little more than they do. If you wait. If you wait until you've got the game works, you feel pretty good about it being fun. If you are working on your own with close associates and friends, by the time you get it to blind playtesters, you won't need nearly as much as a lot of people are afraid that um, you will. You need a lot of blind playtests, but you need, say, dozens once you've done your due diligence up front and once you're doing it, say, Wicked 100, as opposed to, like, hundreds. I know that's counterintuitive to what a lot of people say too. Well, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. Again, if you're if you're doing everything you can on the front end to solve mm-hmm. all the issues, to figure out the balance and all that, then you don't need as much on the back end. Like you've already solved those problems. Now, there's always going to be issues because you can only see so much. You know, you can only read your rule book because your brain assumes, right? And so you you need other right. sets of eyes to look at things. But yeah, I don't I don't think games necessarily need as as much as some people think. Now, at the same time, it's all about the complexity of your game, the depth. Right. If it's a heavy game, you might need a good bit more blind playtesting because you have more variables and more complexity going on. So I think that's a big thing to think about as well. But and, and- and I will say important caveat here. Uh, sorry to cut you off Not there. Good. Important caveat here. If you're like Jamie Stegmeyer or you're working for Druid City Games, yeah, by all means, blind play test as much as you want. When you're when you're first starting out, that's going to be one of your big constraints. That's going to be one of your bottlenecks. And you want to you definitely need to go through blind play testing, but you don't want that to hold you um, into in this phase for like six, nine, 12 months. Like the market moves too fast for that. You want to, you want to do blind play testing efficiently, smoothly. You want to get them to say, this is a good game. Here's some specific feedback and then move on to getting a statistically significant sample. Yeah, it's a great point. Cause blind play testing is not cheap. Right to no, make a bunch of not. make a bunch of prototypes. Even if you go through the Game Crafter, or even if you do a whole bunch of print and play and make it all yourself and then ship it out, it's that's not a cheap thing to do. And so if you're a one man yeah. shop, uh, that's not well. Jamie Stegmaier is kind of a one man shop anyway. It's different. Um, right. But you know if you're trying to get this thing going, that could be an expensive thing. And also you haven't really built up a a, a base yet. You haven't you know if you don't have a foundation of people who love your games, Jamie Stegmaier could say, Hey, I got a new game. Does anybody want to play test it? And a thousand people right. would email him in five minutes. And they would all print it out on their own, and they would all do everything they need to make the game and create it and play it and give him feedback. We don't have that luxury, most of us. And so just being aware of the cost, I think, so it's a good point. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, man. I, again, Brandon, man, really appreciate you coming on the show. Highways and Byways up on Kickstarter right now. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go check that out. The link will be in the show notes. And, yeah, good luck with the Kickstarter. Good luck with everything else you got going on. And thank you for all the advice in the main show and just the advice here in the bonus round. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on.